This time on Poll Hub, we've been hearing a lot about inflation lately, and it turns out we're not alone. Plenty of other people in plenty of other countries are dealing with it, and plenty of leaders in those countries are suffering the same fate as Joe Biden. We're going to look at that. Then, Americans have been talking about gun laws for decades, but recently the conversation has shifted pretty dramatically from how to regulate them to how people should be able to use them in self-defense. We're going to look at that. And finally, our fun fact is again, kind of repetition, seasonal, but why not? It's the season for fun facts. Stick around. We'll get to it. And hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper. I'm Barbara Carvalho. And I'm Lee Marinkoff. Well, inflation has certainly uh, topped the list of a lot of lot of people's concern. The annual rate of inflation in the U.S. hit uh, 6.2% in October, uh, and it's the highest in more than three decades as uh, measured by the Consumer Price Index. Um, I don't think any of us are really surprised that the um, the, the economy is having some, you know, fits and starts, but I don't think there was expectation that uh, economically, uh, at least in terms of most numbers, not inflation, but in terms of most numbers, that we would be doing as well as uh, we are. And I think some of that has caused some issues uh, with inflation because, uh, you know, businesses are struggling to, to uh, meet demand. And supply chain uh, has become part of our everyday conversation. It certainly hasn't gone unnoticed by Americans. I mean, we've seen the rises in pricing for housing, food, gas prices, just about everything. And in our latest NPR Marist poll, 39% of Americans actually put inflation at the top of the list of their economic concerns driven by, driven by Republicans. So guys, uh, it's noticed, it's a concern. Is it getting laid at uh, anybody's doorstep or any place in particular? Um, is it business, politics? Who's getting the brunt of the, who's getting the brunt of the blame? It hasn't done President Biden any good. Uh, I think we've seen his numbers had been dropping and then he sort of plateaued in the low to mid forties. Um, and any kind of recovery in his numbers, I think is going to be some degree predicated on the economic numbers recovering with inflation. Uh, I must say, you know, he may be getting a raw deal because a lot of the other measures of economic strength and growth are very positive. And, and you know, to say that he's doing a bad job in the economy while unemployment has dropped from 6.3 to 4.6, um, sort of suggests a kind of mixed message. So why doesn't it, so why um, why is inflation resonating, but the job numbers aren't? I think part of it is that, you know, the, it's the pocketbook thing and, and uh, inflation is closer to the pocketbook than job numbers. Um, when there isn't large scale unemployment, uh, a change from a 6% to a 4% is probably a lot less noticeable to people. But what's interesting about this, I think that we found is, we do focus in our polls on the US, right? We talk to American voters or American adults, um, and this is not a, an American problem. Inflation is the world, and it's not just in the countries, like, you know, we've heard about thousand percent inflation rates in Argentina back in the day and things like that, but it's not just in those places. Um, the inflation rate between the third quarter of 2019 and third quarter of 2021, when you rank uh, major countries, 
The U.S. is third behind Brazil and Turkey, but New Zealand is fourth. Estonia and Spain are fifth and sixth. You know, Germany is in there, not far below us. This is a problem of the industrialized world, at least the industrialized world, if not the entire world. And so I think it's interesting when, when we talk about how the impact on Biden's inflation rate, we also have looked at how this inflation is affecting world leaders and world leaders in their own countries, among their own voters, uh, are suffering much of the same fate that Joe Biden is. So he's not alone. It's got good company, not, not in a good party. You know, it's a bad party to be at, but he's got good company. Well, I think also, you know, part of the Biden problem, which may underscore the extent to which uh, he's trying to go, you know, counter stream here, is that he spent so much time on the infrastructure battles and the Build Back Better battles. And people think he's, you know, been not watching the inflation numbers. Um, he doesn't even, you know, it's a question of, you know, how involved is he? And it's sort of the, you know, if you want to find a target and you want to cast blame, as you say, Jay, it's the price, it's at the pump. It's the cost of this visit to the supermarket. These are the, these are the visible things. But also, I mean, he, I think Biden was also uh, elected and came in on the concerns about coronavirus. And um, although there are certainly, um, you know, there's worry about that with the, uh, with the new uh, variant that's been uh, discussed uh, to a great deal uh, on, the, on the cables and particularly in social media. Um, so is the transition to the economy something that he just hasn't uh, put, put on the top of his list? Well, I think this is the same problem these world leaders face, though, because look at Justin Trudeau, 43% in this morning consult poll where we're looking at all these numbers. Biden's at 44, he's 42 in our poll. Uh, uh, Johnson, Boris Johnson, 40% in Britain. Nobody, nobody's doing great, right? None of these leaders, and Johnson's a conservative, Trudeau's a liberal, you know, uh, nobody is doing great. Angela Merkel, who's out the door, is, is doing the best at 54% among the Western leaders. Uh, and the, the new prime minister in Italy is at 58% in, in this particular poll. So we, we're talking about inflation and Americans, when we ask them, are concerned about inflation. And that is something that's immediate. But what's not immediate and what's now 18, 19, 20, 22 months old is COVID. This long fatigue about COVID. And every one of these leaders in every one of these countries is facing the same issue, which I think is... It doesn't matter if you're a liberal or a conservative or Democrat or Republican in any of these countries, you're just sick of where we're at. Yeah. And so incumbency becomes uh, the the, uh, yes. the um, Achilles yes. heel, but not so much for Congress. We're not hearing that. Um, well, nobody likes Congress. Yeah. So, so but we're not you know, hearing that. It's not like they had any place to go. But we're not assuming <laughs> that incumbents are going to get thrown out in, in wholesale numbers. In the midterms, the question is, you know, you know, minimal shifts that change the majority. Right. And that just happened in Canada. So, you know, Justin Trudeau's party, it looked like they're, you know, they, they, they might lose in, in recent elections and they didn't. They hung on. Yeah. So I think you're right that, you know, incumbency is not the place you want to be right now. But that doesn't necessarily mean down the ballot. And in the U.S., that would be in the House. That means that everybody's going to get thrown out. Then again... Is, 20, is this going to be 2010 all over again with the Tea Party? Who knows? Yeah, so the buck the buck stops in the Oval Office. We've heard that one before. Right. Um, is there any place internationally that is faring better 
um, in this kind of global uh, economic upheaval uh, than, than we are. Well, the countries that have the highest approval ratings, the, the leaders are uh, Prime Minister Modi in India and uh, the president of Mexico, Lopez Obrador. Um, I, I, but it's a little hard, I think, for us to consider these two countries to be in some ways in the same kind of realm as the, the, the democracies of Western Europe that we're talking about. Um, there are significant differences. India has certainly had terrific problems with, um, you know, with COVID, as has Mexico, and they've dealt with them in different ways. So, you know, I, I think there's also local politics. Uh, India actually has had deflation <laughs> over the last two years. So, you know, inflation isn't an issue there, uh, but there's different things at play in India with the uh, with, uh, racial and religious things going on that, that maybe are more important in India than um, COVID or inflation. Is, is, is uh, opening up some of the, the oil reserves, I mean, does that help realistically with the problems, uh, you know, the gas price fuel problems? I mean, right, that's a problem. Like gas prices, that's part of the problem in all these countries is energy costs are a significant part of inflation in, in all of the world. And, uh, you know, if, if, if OPEC wanted to open up the pumps, uh, inflation probably would drop quite a bit. I would mention one thing, you talked about the supply chain issues. And uh, stores are having record sales uh, during this Christmas season. They've been reporting record sales. A and they're not reporting record sales on empty shelves. They've filled the shelves. Uh, so the supply chain issues, I think, um, are maybe something that maybe is a little bit falling away and maybe not such a big concern. But as long as gas is four bucks a gallon or whatever it's going to be, that's what everybody, you know, that's what we feel every single day. Everybody drives in America. Everybody fills up their, their gas tank. So. But in social media, we always get ahead of our skis a little bit. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've already heard the name Jimmy Carter being bantied <laughs> about. Well, during the Carter years, moving into the Reagan years, there was double digit inflation, double digit unemployment, double digit interest rates. Stagflation. Yeah. You know, we're nowhere near that right now, but we can always, you know, sort of, you know, it's it's a it's a, it's a cute headline, and so you know it makes it into the social media realm. I do I do question the Jimmy Carter is used as a, a weapon though, because it was a long time ago, and if you look at who the voters are, not that many actually. Were, I mean, they were in junior high. The older ones are in junior high or high school. You know, in in the Carter era. So yeah. that's my role, Jay. I mean, I'm the one who's. I'm the one who gives the, the uh, eyewitness account of Gettysburg, okay? So uh, let's turn the corner to something else that we've been talking a lot about. Obviously, inflation's one thing, but we've also been talking about guns a lot. And um, part of that is because there's been two recent trials, verdicts in two recent trials that involved shootings, Kyle Rittenhouse in Wisconsin and uh, Ahmed Arbery in Georgia. Different results there. But one thing that was in common was that self-defense was the primary uh, discussion about whether these uh, people who fired the guns should be convicted or should be acquitted. And it's, it's interesting because when we started thinking about this, have we shifted, has the discussion after 40 years of should we, how do we control guns? How, what kind of rules are fair and what should we be doing? Has the discussion now shifted to, well, how should people with guns be allowed to use them on other civilians? Is that what's happened? Well, you know, I, I think it's um, certainly, um... Americans' uh, attitudes on gun control has been uh, fairly actually consistent, and there is a there is a consensus for uh, significant restrictions 
um, on guns, although everyone wants um, guns to certainly, gun ownership certainly to uh, remain legal. And there's some, you know, common sense, I think, um, restrictions uh, that have actually fallen, you know, along the wayside, but there are there is a consensus among Americans, you know, about about those things, uh, particularly, you know, registration. Um, and I think the discussion sometimes shifts, uh, particularly when we have these high school shootings, as we did um, in Michigan just uh, just recently. Um, but according to a morning consult poll, third forty three percent of Americans. Um, actually approve of the not guilty verdict in the Kyle Rittenhouse case, 39% uh, disapprove. Um, four in 10 Americans have a gun in their whole household. And the number one reason they give for having a gun is actually self-defense. And I find that particularly interesting that we have moved to this discussion because I kind of reflect back to the early 2000s when gun sales were actually kind of stagnant um, and not increasing. And uh, there was an incredible media, or I should say brand campaign uh, uh, by, by the National Rifle Association at the time to move the discussion from guns being recreational to guns being about self-defense. And I can't help but think that this is actually the result of an incredible marketing campaign um, that started nearly two decades ago. Yeah, and, and, and I'll say we've gone so far down the line in this discussion that in the Rittenhouse case, um, he's being you know, seen as a martyr now. I mean, this isn't whether you think he was acting in self-defense or not, and that he was, should have been convicted. Um, you know, the idea here is this is a person who did go out there, grabbed that you know, automatic weapon, uh, headed to, to the unrest, and three people died at his hand. Um, that's not the, you know, for me, the martyrdom syndrome. That's like a tragedy. Um, two, and, uh, Lee, two, two people were killed. Oh, sure, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One was injured. Thank you for that correction. The, um, the, uh, but, you know, that's not, to me, you know, the, the nominee for the, uh, the Martyrs Club. This is a tragedy. Um, so, I mean, I can't help but say, whoa, this is like, you know, where, where are we on this question right now? And, uh, you know, how far down the line are, you know, are we drawing what, you know, sometimes is obviously a race discussion element, particularly in, in you know, in some of these issues, um, but it's chilling. But I, th I think your point is, is well taken about the, the, the martyrdom thing that's happening with some conservatives in Kyle Rittenhouse. We have spent since 1994, which is when the assault weapons bill passed and then it you know, expired in 2002, and there hasn't been any federal law of any significance. In fact, there's been some rollbacks no. since 1994, yet, as Barr points out, there's not a plurality, there's a majority support for assault weapons bans, registration, a, a number of what Democrats call uh, common sense gun regulations. Not one of them has passed in all of these years. And now the conversation is, at least in the last few weeks, about instead of moving towards gun regulations, some sort of gun regulations that a majority of Americans approve, the, the, we've now put it on a different plate and, it, and, and is it We've, we've put it on a different stage. And is it a complete shift in the discussion where 
the people who oppose gun regulations would like the discussion to be, and have they succeeded in doing that? Is this a blip, or is this, as Barb has suggested, a successful kind of marketing plan that has now paid off? And, and, and when we talk about inflation being a worldwide problem, uh, you know, we're really, unfortunately, a leader in a lot of instances when it comes to gun violence. Um, it's not just an American problem, uh, but we certainly have a very serious problem that's gotten out of hand. Um, and, uh, you know, for a lot of reasons, which have some have to do with the NRA, clearly. I, I just want to ask you folks, you know, one thing here. I saw the videotape in Michigan, and um, as some of you may have, and I found it very chilling with the, the students in the classroom and uh, the alleged shooter outside wanting entrance and, and these students having, you know, the, the, the wisdom to, you know, not do that because the, the, um, the person on the other side of the wall, you know, referred to them as, you know, come on, open it up, bro. And they thought that was a signal that this was not a sheriff. Um, and then they all took off. And, and I just thought that that video, which had no gunfire in it, placed you as an individual in, this, in, this, in that room. And, and I found it to be incredibly chilling um, and, and very powerful. Uh, and you could, you could put yourself in identifying and say, you know, would I have been that smart to have emptied out through the window? And obviously in most schools, you probably can't, you know, the windows are sealed or too high to get through. This was, you know, fortunate. Uh, but would I, would I have thought when I heard that word being used and say, that's not a sheriff, that, that, that's trouble. Um, I just thought the whole thing was just, you know, I don't know. I always overestimate the impact of these things. Sometimes I say, boy, that's going to wake up people. <laughs> that's, that's something. And, you know, and it kind of comes and it goes on to the next thing. We, we don't have much staying power on these issues. Well, even, well, even you know, uh, guns aside, it's, uh, I think this also speaks to just uh, the polarization that we have. I know we talk about that, you know, an awful lot, but um, how we can't get a civil discussion um, either in our legislatures at the state or national level, and that it is all about uh, the posturing um, and the discussion becomes the two extremes yeah. of the debate rather than where we clearly do see that there can be a meeting of the minds. And sadly, there's a huge division on another big issue. Yeah, yeah. Very serious <laughs> you, issue. You, you are, you are. I was trying to get us out of the guns yeah, to the, something lighter. Very you difficult. You are so, champion you know. uh, of, uh, among us, <laughs> for sure. Um, well, I, I did look at my calendar and I saw it was kind of like getting to be the holiday season, already is for some folks. Um, and then the question becomes, you know, winter? And, and I think I know some of these answers, but the, you know, we, we did locate the, uh, the Roper Center. Um, a CBS News poll, which was done in January of 2016. Uh, and it had to do whether people prefer a winter with snow, a winter without snow, or whether it doesn't matter to you either way. Um, and I think there's maybe a slight geographic um, response to this, but the with snow, 37, without snow, 31, and doesn't matter, 32. So we do not have a consensus for snowmen here. Um, I think that that's uh, the only thing that you can conclude from it. But I would venture to say that, I don't know, Jay, I'm going you with the snow, Barb without the snow, yeah. and I'm the, I really couldn't care. I, I have my snow tires, I drive carefully. They, as long as they plow the roads, I'm good. 
At Thanksgiving, this actually almost became a, a really contentious discussion um, because uh, we have uh, skiers in the family and then just kind of, you know, warm weather folks. And then you are correctly, I am definitely a, uh, I am against uh, snow. I do appreciate it when it's decorative, meaning probably about an inch or two, uh, as long as it doesn't make the uh, the roads icy. I don't have to shovel the walk. Um, I I think it's very pretty, especially around the holidays. But other than that, it's a nuisance. When, when, more than a nuisance. When does your mood uh, revert back to? Well, that positive? has to do. That has to do. I think just you know with lights itself. <laughs> I am solar powered. And so when uh, the amount of light in the day does recede, uh, which it is getting to the point where I'm almost turning the corner for, yeah, uh, yeah. for this uh, for this time. But uh, yes, I, I do want to hibernate and uh, I don't really want to do too much of anything. So, so Jay, did I guess right on the snow or not? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to live in this climate, yeah. But I do think your your point at the top is, I mean, this is entirely geographic. I mean, Marcello's in Hawaii. So uh, Marcello, right out my mouth. are you, are you looking, <laughs> would you prefer a winter with snow without snow or it doesn't matter either way? And please stare at the palm tree while you answer this. <laughs> oh, come on. But, but Marcello has experienced both. Uh, he has, but. I think, I think I'm in the sweet spot because I get warmth all around and then I get a week or two as much cold as I wish to be back for. And then Back to warmth again. So. Okay, we we hate you. So I just want you to know that. So, no, I'm just. Kidding. We choose to live where we live anyway. So I just think it's totally geographic. That was that's just my point. It's like you know, you ask people in Texas or Florida, do you want a winter with snow? It's like um, they're probably that doesn't matter because they don't have to deal with it. So when you said geography, you know, uh, Mary uh, Mary Griffith is back. Uh, she is back with us. Uh, back hey. from, uh, Eternity leave. Uh, she has a brand new family member, as we have mentioned uh, earlier, baby G. Um, so when you said geography, I thought you meant the difference from where you live in upstate New York and where Mary lives in downstate New York. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm suburban. Upstate. No, no, uh, no, Jay, 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 oh, Jay, Jay is upstate. Oh, okay. we, we actually, name, we actually cover, you know, all the geographies here. You know. Uh, New York State geographies. Uh, so, uh, so welcome back, Mary. Do you want to weigh in on this? Uh, I would say hot topic, <laughs> chilling, bone chilling topic. Thank you. I used to love snow, uh, but now that there are no snow days for the kids, um, I hate snow. <laughs> <laughs> How about your kids? Uh, they uh... they still think that there are snow days. The hasn't quite caught on yet that there's a future without snow days and they will be remote from now on so i think that that's traumatic yeah i think once they realize it's all over for them too it's just going to be i can't go play out in the snow while i'm on a virtual lesson so <laughs> hey so there's a future poll question we should be asking parents in in one of our next national polls do you think that there should continue to be snow days or are virtual snow days good for kids there you go we, right. we all need one of those. You can make some news with that one. Yeah, we already have a sample <laughs> of one, and I think that's, uh, Mary, you're very, very representative there. I think uh, I'd be surprised if it was anything else. But uh, it will come in soon enough that we will be out there measuring the inches and hoping that the meteorologist forecasts are, shall I say, better than some of the pollsters. 
Welcome back. Thank you. That'll do it for Poll Hub this week. Poll Hub is a production of the Marist Poll at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Mary Griffith is our executive producer. Casey Schaff is our production supervisor. Poll Hub team includes Ashley Marcinick and Marcello Batman. If you enjoy Poll Hub, please consider leaving a review. Positive reviews help other like-minded listeners find us. If you'd like to learn more about polling and survey science, check out the Marist Poll Academy. It's our free online learning portal. If you've got questions, tweet them to us at Marist Poll. Finally, however, wherever you listen to Poll Hub, there is a subscribe button. Click it and the latest episode will be ready for you in your podcasting app as soon as it's released. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.